From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small batch and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond. Friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other. Through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there is huge curiosity surrounding these topics. And we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared. And we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of correction. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> From uniforms to unicorns. Hey, Lauren here. Just wanted to remind you that some of the things that Sharon and I and our guests talk about on this podcast can have adverse effects or bring on triggers for experiences that you have had in the past. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning before you listen to any of the podcast episodes and say, take care of yourself. And thank you again for being here and listening. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good. It's so good to see you. It's been a little while here. I but, know we talk on the phone all the time, but then it's different when you get to see each other's faces. True. Your glasses, like the blue light right now. Like... I know I should take them off. <laughs> I don't even really need them. You look but... like a dork. <laughs> I know. And I'm so not a dork, right? So, so I dork. tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's good to be back. I'm super excited. We have, uh, today we're actually recording back to back though separate days, but uh, it's a recording day yes. and we are excited about the people that we have lined up. Uh, so I'll introduce our first guest. It's Melissa Shelson. Did I say that right, Melissa? <laughs> you did. Because okay, I wrote it down like it sounds so that I didn't mess it up. Uh, but I, Melissa and I were actually introduced through a mutual friend, our friend Adele, and she had just kind of said, you really need to connect with each other. And we did that on Facebook and then we had a quick coffee together. And then this is just kind of like, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can we share this? So, uh, and both of us, uh, have experience in the first responder world with corrections. So, um, yeah, we just connected and then we asked her, you know, would you mind coming? She's doing some really cool things that I'm so excited for her to share everything. So, um, yeah, welcome Melissa. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being Thank here. 
Thank you so much, both of you. I am thrilled to be here. Very excited. A little nervous, but we're going to do it. <laughs> it's all good. You'll, yeah. In a few minutes, you'll be like, oh, what was I nervous about? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, we we want to know a little bit about you. And uh, so I know that you're uh, the spouse of a corrections officer. So tell us a little bit about that. How did that come to be for your partner? And um, what's it like being the spouse of a corrections officer? Oh man, where do I even start? <laughs> right? That's a loaded <laughs> question. Yeah. So my spouse and I, my husband and I got married in 2006. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how old is our oldest? Be out of here. <laughs> so 2006. And I had a coworker whose daughter became a federal correctional officer in drum. And she had said, Hey, my daughter has this great job. She only has to work 15 days a month or 13 or whatever it was. She's got all this time off and benefits and the pay and your husband should sign up. And at that time he ran his own construction company, building homes in Calgary, doing awesome. And I submitted his resume without him knowing, <laughs> told him afterwards. <laughs> so he goes, my question though, why did, why did you want him out of construction? He was so busy. So no, that if you remember back in Alberta, back in 2006, seven, that was, yeah. um, there was a really big um, depression, I guess you call it, yeah. but yeah. there was um, really construction took a nosedive and I was okay. just looking, we had just had our first child. So it was okay. Long-term, you know, you don't have a pension, you don't have benefits. Um, yeah, yeah. You make great money, but where's the longevity? Where's that, you know, golden hoop that you're supposed to strive for? Uh, so the golden handcuffs, I guess we called them later. Yeah. And you know, what's funny, Melissa, my husband worked in the oil patch in 2010 and I was like, okay, I'm not doing, we just had our first child. <laughs> he was gone. Uh, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. What else are we going to do? And th there was no money. It was kind of dried up for like a year. And that's when we submitted his application to be a police officer. <laughs> so very, very similar. I, I was like, get out the paper, start filling it out. Let's go. I don't have time for this. So very similar yeah. stories. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, yeah. Sorry. Did you live in Calgary and then apply, he applied in dr at drum? So back then it was, you were kind of told where you were going. Right. And he was oh, given okay. a few options. And I think Bowdoin was an option and, and Edmonton and Drum because we were living in Calgary. And so he chose Drum because he thought at first maybe he'll commute. And we're, yeah. you know, not thinking how far that really is. Yeah. But then we moved. Yeah, we moved there um, for his first day of work. So we were in Drum Halloween from the start. Wow. Okay. Crazy. So that was 2000, 2006, you said. 2006, seven. Seven? <laughs> So what happens when he gets the phone call saying, hey, your application, your, your resume has been accepted on the next so, thing. So I told him after I submitted the resume, but before the phone call. So he knew, but he never thought anyone would call. Right. And they did. Okay. And they called and he was gone to core within weeks. Like it was so quick. And he went mm -hmm. over to Saskatoon, that, you know, that dirty Parkland motel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember buying him like an airsoft gun because all the recruits were playing airsoft in the evenings up and down the hallways. Oh yeah. That was us too. Very that was much. Us too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. So fun. So fun. The park town. Yeah. yeah. Good times. It is. Okay. And it's so funny because people ask about it. And at the time it's like this, like horrible experience. And, and then like, now I'm like, Oh, what I wouldn't give to go back I know. and just 
I don't want to do the training. I just want to stay at the park. Yeah, and just <laughs> hang just... out with everyone, right? Yeah, just hang and out with, with those everyone. people again for like, just give me a week. I'll take a week. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, be well, I time. think, you know, going to Cora like that, he developed such close relationships with others right from the start. And some were, they knew they were going to the same institution and some were going across Canada. But, you know, those relationships just really started that whole like, brotherhood sisterhood bond that CSE is you know they really have for their correctional officers so I think you know he enjoyed his time there and definitely as a you know young wife with a, a brand new baby I was like what do you mean my husband's going away to a hotel by himself for three months with all these other people that are in their 20s I'm not yeah. sure about this <laughs> and, and it's gonna probably like have so much fun not realize it at the time but like have a real yeah and like you said like I'm not buying you an airsoft gun you're not having fun while I'm at home dealing with it. <laughs> True. fair enough okay so he goes to drum heller and how, how does that go how does that go for him and for you so my husband has a very strong sense of right and wrong and morals and like, you know, this is acceptable. This is not, you know, he, he has some gray, of course, but it's, he's very much about like, you know, this, this is right for others or not. And there was times when that just didn't fit. You know, he saw things uh, within the walls of the prison, you know, inmates doing to other inmates or just policies that really didn't fit or putting you know these I know I know one was like brand new first sentence guys who just you know got two years plus a day and it's their first sentence ever and all of a sudden they're in a range with guys who have huge rap sheets and you know it's almost like giving people like I don't know um setting them up for failure you know if they don't know the ropes they learn them really quick mm-hmm. but and like career criminals with right so like right like I remember we had a few of those, Sharon, like that, that yeah. there was that one girl I can think of that um, she uh, drank and drove and killed a family of five in Jasper mm-hmm. um, and obviously significant sentence, um, but came in young, timid. I can like see her in the healthcare wing, like her mm-hmm. face, just like, oh my God, what is happening here? And she like was, has been in and out forever because literally we, we made her a criminal yeah like the institution created a crypt because you know as much as I believe someone deserves there's there's justice that needs to come along with the consequences of your decisions um yeah she definitely came in a very pro-social individual who made a very stupid um and deadly mistake and and is definitely a career criminal based on the relationships that were formed when you mm-hmm. go into those sorts of situations, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Life life sentence in installments, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> no revolving so from, door. Oh. Right. So from, you know, my side, you know, as a wife, my husband's working there and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a job. He comes home. How was work, honey? It's great. It's great. It's good. It's good. What happened? Oh, nothing. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And he never shared anything. And then I remember when he was working there, probably three months, I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you know, two, three in the morning, it was dark. And when I was walking back into the bedroom, I could see my husband crouched in like this ninja stance in the middle of our bed in the dark, like hands out, ready to just like attack. And I was oh like, my um, God. What, what are you doing? What's going on? And then he realized it was me and he, you know, 
his breathing slowed down. He got off the bed. He apologized. He was like, I thought we had an intruder. I, I was, you know, protecting everyone. And at that time I was like, oh, well, that was weird. That was funny. Ha ha. And just carried on. And then mm-hmm. looking back, you know, years later when he ended up being diagnosed with PTSD, I was like, that, that was the start. And I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I was a mental health professional. I didn't see it. I was like this frog in water that the pot just heated up so slowly that it was all the new normal. Mm-hmm. Very much so, right? Like uh, all of that, like hypervigilance, all that. It's, it's very hard um, to shut your brain off, especially when you're working like a 12 hour shift, getting 12 hours off, going back to work a 12 hour shift. And you would know this too, Melissa, especially with the work that you do. It's like, it, even the four days on four days off, it's like you, you your body never gets back to yeah. any sort of like normal state of functioning because mm-hmm. you never have that opportunity. My husband and I just went to San Francisco for a few days. And even like that, it's like, I think he had eight days off, six days, seven days off. Even that it, you're not a lot, you can't get back to normal. Right. It's like no. usually around day 10 that he starts to like drop down shoulders come down things are feeling a little bit lighter and then back to work two days later right yeah right yeah yeah um very interesting because I feel like mine my uh hypervigilance came much later but I feel in 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 a men's institution with that it might be like a little bit and so my my experience would be like similar to his like my first incident came very quickly and I was so scared like off uh training because we were in the the pork town as we call it and we were there and it was always like this is not for you guys going to the women's prison and we didn't have like weapons or right and my first incident I remember after that incident like we were chatting a bit before how then you head to the bar like right and the pub like we went and all of us were there and it was like nobody was like, are you good? Like, it was more like, get, let's get another round. Do you want another round? Let's get another round. And then it just built from there. Cause I was never, I was always an incidence, but I never stopped to take care of myself like all the way mm-hmm. through. Cause you're just like, this is normal. This is it. This is my job. This is what I signed up for. And that yeah. was also the message, right? Drilled into like, especially he started 2007, that's drilled into your head. Like you signed up for this, you chose this career, this is what it is. And it's interesting too, for me to hear, he went from construction to a correctional officer and everybody sort of gets there. Nobody dreams of becoming a prison guard when they're in (laughs) kindergarten holding up. I wanna be a doctor. I wanna be a prison guard, right? <laughs> Never, right? Exactly. So then his career is um he started in drum. Is that where he uh did his whole career? He did not. So in 2012, I think it was, he was really feeling burnt out, but he still wasn't recognized it was mental health, and neither was I. Uh, and I had even worked in drum for a couple of years too as a clinical social worker there. Oh, but wow. as he yeah, but as he told me, it's when when the staff and the support staff go home at four o'clock, that's when the true colors come out of everyone. That's mm-hmm. when the prison want, really shows its colors. They want you to have to call those people back in. Remember this, Sharon? We always had to call the psychologist. We always had to like, right? It's like 
everything happened after the warden's gone, yes. the assistant warden's gone, the psychology's left for the day, mm-hmm. everything, right? And it's so true. It's so true. And and I almost felt like after we got uniforms, it was like almost like a, a breath, of, breath of fresh air to see someone without a uniform in the evening time, right? Like Yeah, that's true. It's, it was like the sea of blue. And then all of a sudden it was like some, you know, here's someone else. Oh, yay. Okay. Well, we have someone else here, mm-hmm. whatever, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. The true, true stuff happens after four o'clock. It <laughs> does. Yeah. And still he, he wasn't telling me, he didn't share what happened. Like sometimes he'd come home. I could tell by his mood. I could tell by the way the front door shut, if it was a good shift or bad shift, I could mm. tell by the way the truck pulled in the driveway on the gravel how fast it oh, drove wow. in, if he spun the tires, how long he spent in the garage by himself before he came in. All those things, I was developing hypervigilance because I needed to read his mood in order to kind of like keep the whole family in this, like, I don't know, <laughs> equilibrium. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and fair. by that time we had two little ones, right? So we had two little boys. We, my husband decided he needed something different, but wasn't sure what. So he decided I'm going to transfer. So I'm going to transfer a different prison. That's the solution. I'm just bored. You know, this, I'm just sick of everything around here. Same people, you know, same BS. Um, So he transferred and we, it's funny. We didn't, we just chose to go to the East coast just because it was really the furthest away from where we were. Yeah. So we, we transferred to Spring Hill, Nova Scotia. That was in 2012. So big, big change. And right from the start, it was not good. Um, The prison was ran very different. My husband didn't feel safe at times with policies being made or just not enough staff, um, you know, going to the gym alone, things like that. Um, And his symptoms continued to elevate, escalate, get bad right? Lots of irritability and mood. And it got to a point where finally I had a really great discussion with a friend who is a crush officer and, and you know her, Jill. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. you know so many, it's so funny. So yeah. I had a really good conversation with her. And at that time she wasn't kind of recognizing her mental health, but she could mm-hmm. see it in others. Yes. And so then when we had this conversation, I was like, oh, that's what's going on. Oh, my goodness. And I was so stressed. Like, I was losing hair. I was losing sleep. When he was doing night shift, you know, my sleep was affected. I kept having these thoughts. Well, what if summer breaks in? What if, what if, uh, you know, someone targets his family or, um, and I think, you know, talking to other spouses, those are thoughts that come through. Mm -hmm. So finally, after talking to a friend, I told my husband that pretty much an ultimatum you get help or you have to get out mm-hmm. oh wow and he and he chose to get help so he called okay. a psychologist that day got in the very next day yeah and this was a, yeah wow. and that was wow. amazing wow. Um, and that was a psychologist recommended by other officers that had seen him and found him really helpful cool. um and then my husband went to see him for months getting better took medication, um, was doing the psychotherapy as well, but still he was in that environment where, yes. you know, if you're, you're putting this bandaid on, you're trying to fix it, but you're not removing yourself so you can heal fully. Mm-hmm. And he was to a point where some people can remain at work and some people should not, and he should not. And so it came to a meeting with the psychologist, myself and my husband, where the psychologist said like, this is what I'm proposing, but I need you to back me up. And I was like, oh, I backed you up months ago. Like this, this has to happen. He should leave. Mm-hmm. and he left and he hasn't been back since 
And what year was that? That was 2012, I believe, later in 2012. Wow. Oh, sorry, no, no, I might think I'm, times are wrong. Hold on. That's okay. Let me back up. 2012 when we moved there, I guess. Or maybe we moved in 2000. <laughs> I'll have to think on times. It's okay. It all, it. It all blurs. Okay. It does but, all blur. Sorry, 2015. Yeah, that's when he finally left. Wow. Wow. So he went on lots of sick leave at first. Yeah. And then applied for WCB. And that process in itself was the most traumatizing thing I've ever seen. And as a clinician, looking at the process, because it wasn't presumptive uh, PTSD because of work at that time in Nova Scotia, mm -hmm. you had to prove your case. Right. So he had to write down pages and pages and pages of traumatic incidents that he had been through in his career yeah. and give them to this caseworker from WCB Nova Scotia who was not a qualified therapist, psychologist, anything. And then she read them and decided whether they were traumatizing enough to say his PTSD came from corrections. Oh, so, my, oh my God. gosh. So that's another podcast Brutal. in itself. I think. Yeah, is, no and kidding. you know what? It's so crazy. I swear every single conversation I have with someone is like, if the WCB process changed, we would be, we would be better as, as a, a community going through this to like, I have, I have um, one person that I speak with often and every, every obstacle is WCB. Every yes. obstacle is WCB. Yep. Every, like, like, sh I, I, I won't share because uh, I probably, <laughs> no, I'm not going to, but there, it's obstacle, <laughs> it's obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And it's like, jump through this hoop, jump through that hoop. This person isn't mentally capable of even showering some days that right. is like the the that is the point where they are it's like my win today is I showered and it's like but you want me to write down all of these things and do all of this stuff I can't even get in to see a psychologist to support me through this at this moment right but you need it by next Thursday or you're gonna close my case like it's wow. it's so horrible it is so horrible um it I, am is. So, so, I am so sorry you went through that it, it was horrible. And, you know, I think that I have the background I do. So, you know, being a social worker and a therapist, mental health therapist for years, I'd help so many other clients navigate systems. And that's what I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. And so I went into this autopilot where I didn't take care of myself. I was on autopilot of helping my spouse. Um, and that's all I did. And I was really neglected my own self-care completely. And I had no supports from CSE for myself, um, or, you know, there was no spousal support groups back then in the community. There was nowhere I could go and say like, Hey, I'm having this experience. Is this normal? Is this average? Like anyone yeah. hear me? Like, and so that was one of the hard parts of, I didn't have support. Like I'm a very outgoing person. You know, I'll make friends with like anyone really anyone <laughs> someone's walking past my cottage I'm like hey you want a coffee <laughs> <laughs> but that was really hard because you know outsiders I guess as you call them they didn't understand so my friends whose spouses didn't work in first responding jobs I tell them things and they kind of were like thought that maybe I was losing it too <laughs> you know thought that well it's just you know it's it's just really wrong like there, there wasn't the support and understanding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Uh, right. And, and I, I, I had this conversation with someone recently too, about like, cause when I call my husband at work and he's busy, he just hangs up on me. Like he just hangs up. Right. And I mean, yeah. my friend is like, did he just hang up on you? And I'm like, yeah, he's busy. She's like, well, when's he going to call you back? I'm like, I don't know when he's yeah. done. It basically tells me I'm okay. Uh, but I'm busy. So I'll call you back when I'm not busy. But she's like, I would kill my husband if I called his cell phone and he hit decline. <laughs> Well, I would have to kill my husband every day if that yeah. was the case, because we literally hang, like, I'm busy, like, and that's okay, you're at work, you're busy, I get it, it's so funny, but the things that we are okay with, or that we go through are so unacceptable to a lot of people, right, mm-hmm. so, uh, well, and, that, and that's why, you know, connecting with other first responder spouses is so important, and as a first responder talking um, to your spouse, and your spouse being aware of what could happen? And it's not a matter of like, it will happen. It Something will happen that is traumatizing. You're not going to get PTSD from every single incident. But if you choose not to talk about every single incident, or if you choose to try and stuff things down, you will, right? It's just, right. Yeah. It's just the way it is. So. Yeah. Sure. And it's, you know, and it's awesome. You can call your spouse at work. Like I remember when my husband was right, CX1. No, he wasn't allowed to have a cell phone. He wasn't specifically in one spot. He walked all day, all mm-hmm. over. Like he was in the back 40. He was in units. He was down in programs. He was all over. And so if I really needed him, I had to call main control or I usually I'd have to call the main institute number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get transferred to main control. Then they had to radio him. Mm-hmm. And then when he radioed back, then he would say where he was with the phone and then he could take the call. So mm-hmm. really, I'm not calling to say like, hey, like, you know, what do you want for supper? Like, yeah. It's emergency <laughs> only. You're literally on your own. La- la- yesterday, my husband was in a training session and he came home at 430 in the afternoon, which is rare. Like he usually gets home at seven when he works. But I, I don't know what I thought he was working. And he came home and I'm like, who is there? And he's like, me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah you tr- like it's i'm i'm waiting i didn't even like plan to make him dinner i was like oh <laughs> i was like oh yeah okay you're here great uh but it, it, it's just the way it is right you right. don't get home till 7 30 or 8 o'clock at night and you manage with that so right and then it's like what do you do for meal times you know with kids like are you waiting for your spouse to get home are you eating before and then dad gets heats up his plate like and everyone does it different and there's no right or wrong but it's it's just another piece of that first responder world I mean the spouse of yeah and I yeah. like I my husband tells this very funny story which is it wasn't funny when it happened but it, it's funny now of like on the fourth, he ate cereal for three nights because like the kids were sick. I wasn't feeling good. <laughs> like, I think we had like it lift and noodle soup for three days because everyone wasn't feeling good. And, and on the fourth day, he's like, can we have something other, can I have something other than cereal for supper tonight? And I was like, I don't know. I'll let you know how we're all feeling later. But like, he's just like, after day three of cereal, I was like, enough with, but I'm not making a meal at seven 30 at night when me and the kids have eaten and there isn't any leftovers and who eats leftover Lipton soup? Nobody. That's disgusting. Right. No. Right. (laughs) Like I can make you soup, but yeah. And, And that's the crappy thing too. It's like, I know he's had like, not an easy day. The days are not easy for the most part. Right. Some of them are, but it's like, I don't, I want to be able to make him a meal, but I'm also like, I don't want to make another meal. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's fair. You shouldn't have to make another meal, but you're still feeling that guilt that you should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and holidays, like, I don't know how yeah. many holidays, Christmas morning, I put together all these complicated, stupid toys for my children, installed batteries and everything, only to have me tell, tell like them tell me that, you know, they hated what Santa brought them. They, you know, they <laughs> wanted something different there's no one there with me. I'm doing it all alone because yeah. you know, my spouse is called That's in hard. for overtime or there was an incident or they couldn't get the shift off. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you got all these holidays to navigate. I remember like Christmas morning, my, my husband would be in his uniform and he'd be like, don't take a picture. Don't because the kids are opening presents and he's sitting in the chair in his uniform because he had to work. Yes. I, and I've been waiting one hour. The kids are sitting at the top of the stairs waiting for their dad to come home to see what, and I'm like feeding them pancakes on the landing on the stairs because they're hungry, but they just want to go down and see what Santa, but their dad has to do briefing <laughs> real quick. Then he'll be here. But I thought, I, I wish I would have had photos of that, right? Like I would share that. That's normal in our world for them. That's and right. I mean, your husband can't come home, uh, leave an institution, come home for Christmas. But I mean, and, and there's been days where it was like, I won't be there till eight, let the kids just open their gifts and I'll see them later. Right. Um, and I know some families do it like on a different day, they'll celebrate the week before yeah. or whatever. Yeah. For us, you know, that's not something I wanted to do. So we didn't, but it doesn't mm-hmm. make you know mean it was you know less hard exactly yeah. but the, but the whole uniform thing like when my husband first started I thought he looked so handsome in his uniform mm-hmm. you know like it was so crisp and put together and you know kind of you know kind of sexy for a yeah. wife to look at <laughs> but for to him the uniform represented you know just yuck the minute mm-hmm. he got out of work, he stripped off the outside button-down shirt, um, you know, with his badges on the on the shoulders. Mm-hmm. So he was in a plain black T-shirt because mm-hmm. he didn't want yeah. to be driving through the community and have anyone look in and be like, "Oh, there's an officer." Absolutely, like he didn't. I was the same. Yeah, yeah, he didn't feel like he was respected in the community. He felt like people actually like hated them, and oh, some yeah. of that was, you know, some was that real, and but some of it also was his PTSD. Absolutely. Absolutely. So did so, he so then, receive yeah. a diagnosis? Like at- he he did. He received a diagnosis from a psychologist, and then he went on to see the WCB uh, psychiatrist a couple of times or psychologist. I'm not sure um, as those claims progressed. And the WCB psychiatrist actually told him that they did not encourage him to ever return to CSE in oh, any wow. capacity. Wow. So at this point, he's he's on. Um, spousal relocation leave he's on the priority list so he's thinking about next steps um so that's kind of where our family is at and you know and and on my side I discovered a real passion for I've always done counseling and mental health but I discovered a passion for working for first responders because I have so much of this inside knowledge and then the knowledge I came to it with with mental health that I'm like I can make a difference here so that's you know what led to me working with PSPNet yeah. So tell us about PSP net. Tell the, uh, I I'm so excited about this because I share it with everybody and uh, we've posted it in our, our spouses st- like stuff. And um, yeah, so I, I found out about you through Adele and then I've like connected with a ton of people. I just did a testimonial for all like the video stuff that's happening I was part of that advisory board which was super cool so yeah oh, tell- awesome yeah yeah okay so tell us about PSPNet because you're the expert here well I know you're gonna have another guest on to talk more about PS- 
PSPNet. So I'll keep that, you know, kind of brief, but PSPNet is a free internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy for first responders, public safety personnel, as defined by Public Health Agency of Canada. So first responders like police officers, correctional officers, um, border services, coroners, firefighters, EMS, dispatch, all of that and more. So pretty much in a nutshell, that's what we do. So we have different programs under our umbrella. Uh, we have therapist guided programs. So you're actually getting for free connected immediately, no wait list at ever. So you sign up, you go through your screening, you know, you're connected. Awesome. Like, like I talked to a guy yesterday in uh, just outside of Regina and he was like, well, I know that, um, you know, the wait list is probably long. I don't want to take away from someone, but when can I start? I was like, well, today, tomorrow, what works for you? Monday. <laughs> yeah. And he was blown away. Right. Yeah, and we awesome. just want to be there. And our team is fantastic. Like, absolutely. Everyone comes with years and years of experience, um, either being in the first responder field themselves, working with closely with first responders, having experience with internet delivered cognitive behavioral therapy or other therapies. So the team is like this, this dream team of minds. Like I sit in the meeting sometimes, we have Monday mornings, and it's just the amount of education and knowledge about the first responder field and treatment is amazing. It's connected to SIPSERT, which I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. what PSPNet is. We do the service, the free counseling for first responders. And then... Uh, we, then we just recently, July 19th, I believe it was, we launched PS, uh, the Spouse or Significant Other Wellbeing Program. So yes. for spouses. So we have this whole new umbrella coming. There's uh, lots of funding through the Government of Canada that has been given to um, a few universities and groups across Canada that are working together all on this massive project called PSPNet uh, Families. And that is going to be this hub of resources, both open access resources, just learning things like shift work or uh, managing kids or, um, like you said, like conversations and um, communication skills with my spouse, all that. Mm -hmm. And then we also have the counseling program. So the online internet delivered cognitive behavioral therapy called the Spouse or Significant Other Wellbeing Program. So it's an eight-week program. You don't have therapist support, but... Uh, you get to go through the the entire program. There's a chat board. You can connect with other spouses or significant others to share your experience. Very like it's really awesome, and it all comes from um, a program that was developed in Australia. Really gone through the ringer. It the outcomes are fantastic. Um, like as a therapist, like you know, I work there, so of course I have to talk positive. But yeah. as a therapist, I've never seen this amount of change. And the change sustained for people that they have this life that they feel is worth living, that they're, you know, they're thriving. They're not just surviving anymore. And that's mm -hmm. why I stick around. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the, the cool thing, I, I do lots of stuff with uh, first responder spouses, and that's the biggest thing. It's like, how do we navigate this unique lifestyle in order to find fulfillment? Because we know a life without fulfillment is basically failure, right? Like it's like, right. And, and how do we not just go through the motions every single day and try and just get through each day by surviving, but how do we do this and actually be well, uh, taken care of, right. Feel like we're not always living for, for the weekend, for the days off for the vacation, right. Because right. that's where we know people struggle the most. And when you're trained as a first responder, you're always thought to think, 
what's coming, what, what happens if, right? And as a spouse, it's really hard to understand that. But luckily for me, I've been both spaces. So it's really hard to get back to that space of paying attention to presence and understanding those sorts of things and bringing your spouse in and saying, hey, we're here, we're right now, we're at home, we're safe. Um, because that's not how their brain is wired and trained to think anymore. Right. right. So, and yeah, as a spouse, you, you deserve the support too. Like, you know, just absolutely. because your, your spouse is a first responder doesn't mean that everything that happens in your life is because they're a first responder. You go through your own stuff, yeah. right? You go through loss, uh, maybe low mood periods, anxiety, you know, you're raising kids. It's this snowball of life that you have to navigate and getting the tools so it, you can break it down. And like you said, be more in the moment and focus on what you need. So then, then you're more there and you can appreciate what you do have in life and appreciate and look forward to, you know, what's important to you, who's important to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's all done, you know, in an eight week program, which is phenomenal. Yeah. I think I took the um, first responder one and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I, I, I talk about it all the time. Uh, when we, what, like, I think about Daniela and she was on our podcast, her husband, uh, I don't know if you listen to hers. Anyways, her husband was uh, a corrections officer in Kenora. We actually have plans to speak with him soon. And he was taken hostage. And she just said like everything in that moment was about him, which she's like, right. and what he went through. And she's like, and th- I focused on him too. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, yeah. this is a trauma for me. She mm-hmm. got the phone call. Are you sitting down? Something has happened, right? That's a big yeah. deal. They just had the anniversary of it. I, I saw her post four years it. or something. Yeah. yeah. And I just was, saw that too. It was like, yeah, you, you, as much as this is uh, something that's happening to your partner, uh, it's happening to you too. It's a trauma for you to see, to lose your partner. It to... is. And there's no, there's no schism for her. There's no, no right. you know, there's no debriefings. Fact, there's yeah, no support in, offered. And yeah. in fact, she's got to be the one that's the anchor that everybody else attaches to, to make sure mm-hmm. they everyone else is okay. So she's their anchor. And then what happens when that anchor is like, I don't feel great. And I don't know where to put this right so this resource is amazing because there's there's um help for both sides right both sides of the coin and they work together they have to work together to heal and get to a a better place and what i would think would be amazing is if both the husband or wife you know and and the opposite you know the sort of first responder and non-first responder took the respective courses at the same time and what amazing you know conversations you could have as you're learning these skills together and strengthening your relationship like i think that would be absolutely fantastic as well yeah i think so i didn't i actually didn't even think about them doing like them concurrently a, a, a presenter <laughs> your, <laughs> your sentence is concurrent <laughs> yeah. no statutory uh, release yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> concurrent or consecutive whatever but yeah but to think about that for you to go through it week by week by week and be like okay here's our two hours you go upstairs I'll go on the laptop and we'll go through this thing together because it is it's easily accessible it's something it the thing I found the thing I found the most um challenging for me was like blocking out the time but I just had to put it in the schedule and say this is the time because it is very self-led right it's 
you, you, it have, is. Yeah. you have to be willing to take it on. Um, and, and I would say that was the only barrier for me when I first started is that I just, I I missed the first couple of weeks because I was like, oh, I'll, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And it is such good information. Right. And it's like, okay, but you have to be able to put that time aside. So that would be my recommend. And I say that to people, you have to do and schedule it in. Yeah. Schedule it in. Schedule it in. Just like you schedule right. in work, schedule in a workout, schedule in coffee with a friend, right? Like be, be prepared to schedule it in because it is such a significant, amazing place to, to learn and learn about yourself and take you through those steps to bring you to a place of thriving and self-awareness and all of those cool things that come mm-hmm. with, with healing and recovery, right? It's right. Yeah. And one of the really neat things about our course, you know, there's lots of courses that are internet delivered to college to be able to like there's tons but the thing about ours is we are specifically made for psp for first responders and now for their their spouses or significant others the stories within the program you know they were vetted by um teams that we have that are first responders that read through the stories that give examples of how real people use them and they're like yeah that works or that doesn't and we adjust and we're constantly you know doing everything we can to make the program better based on feedback and now in our spouse course as well, our spouse or significant other well-being program, all the stories are based on, you know, real experiences. They're not real people, but it's a combination of experiences that spouses or significant others have had that I've known, coworkers have known, or through research, we know these are common experiences. And the people taking the course are like, wow, like I totally identified with, you know, this person, this character. And I do these exact same things, or I'm always worried about the same things, or my spouse does this. So I love that there's that connection. And, you know, you don't feel as alone when you're like, okay, other people experience this too. And and that's the biggest thing. It's like feeling like you belong, right? Not that you have to fit in, that you just, my experience, this is where I belong. These are my people. These are the people that understand me that I don't have to explain myself to. I have two two of like my closest friends uh, in cameras are police officer wives, obviously, right? Um, and usually most of the information I get is from one of them. Uh, they're like, oh, did you hear about this? I'm like, no. And then I ask, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you about that, whatever. But <laughs> it's so interesting because we can sit there and just like verbal diarrhea all over each other, pick it all up, figure each other out. Whereas in other places, I'm just like... Should I say that? Is that like, <laughs> yeah. is that, that's like is really that dark humor. That okay? Like, and because I come from the dark humor side, and I'm married to a dark humor, right? right? I, I can do that with those girls, and they don't think like they should call someone because I <laughs> right. I think everyone needs girlfriends like that. Absolutely, Definitely. and I mean that's where I really came from. This space of like wanting to work with first responders spouses because I needed it right I mm-hmm. felt like I I needed those people to to help me and get me through some of the things that I and they their 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 husbands have been in a lot longer than I have or than we have so I and their kids are a little bit older so I don't and I'm, I'm not gonna say use because I don't use but I mean every time like every time something happens their kids are older so I'm like what would you do in this situation and they both know the answers and <laughs> so great it's like you don't just help me in the police world you help me in all areas of my life this is the best so yeah I know that with my girlfriends that are first responders themselves or spouses of like the dark humor 
it's so awesome to be able just to say it, use it and know you're accepted. People aren't going to raise their eyebrows, look at you weird. Like, what are you talking about? What's wrong with you? Why are you saying these things that, you know, are so hurtful or yeah, it's awesome. I have a, a, sorry. It's good to find, no, I'm saying it's good to find the the resources because even when Lauren and I left the service, there was not really those resources there. So it's so nice. Like, that they're there now and it's more um, like easier for people to find. And like, I want you to share Melissa, if you can, like how does somebody find you guys? Like PSP Definitely. Net. So we have social media, PSP Net Canada. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So people can definitely, definitely follow us. Um, our social media company posts a few times a week so people can share those posts. And then our website is www.pspnet.ca. And people can read all about the programs we offer. There's a really neat tab under research, which shows all of our service delivery outcomes. So it shows how many people have signed up, what sectors they're from, their outcomes, um, how many would refer a friend. Like 92% of people say they would refer a friend and 93% say it was worth their time that took the course. Oh, awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And the, and the website's actually super easy to navigate. (laughs) Like I'm like, they've done a really good job with this because everything that you need is right there on the homepage and it's easy to click around. You're not looking for things forever, which, which we know is a huge barrier, right. For a lot of people that are struggling, it's like, they need something simple. And I I always like, people are like, do you have any resources? And I'm like, are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) because you don't look for them till you need them I think is a lot of time so having these things in the forefront for people to see that they're there when they do need them um and we're here for people before they need them to absolutely do a lot of prevention like we have people taking our courses who are brand new on the job and they just want those tools in their belt so if down the road when they have incidents they don't kind of bounce back quickly they have those tools to use. So yeah. we're not closing the gates and saying you need a diagnosis. We're not closing the gates and say only if you're experiencing symptoms right now. We are totally for anyone who wants to take the course. Free, immediate access. You know, you sign, you can email, you can email back right away. You're signing up, you're on there. You can be on within the, you know, within 24 hours sometimes yes. starting your first lesson. Yes. Yes. Amazing. So good. Oh, yeah, you must you must be so proud of the work that you guys are doing because Ooh, I, I it's- am. It's it's just enough. It's just ph- phenomenal, amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to say the two words together. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, um, say them both. Right, like it's amazing it. and phenomenal and so exciting. Right, because th- we I know helping people look for psychologists right now is is daunting. Right. Right. I mean, we can spend days looking for someone who, and we don't even know if they're good. (laughs) Right. And sometimes I've heard from some clients, there's some like social workers, therapists, psychologists in the community that are saying upfront, I don't treat first responders because you traumatize me. Yeah. And as a therapist, I'm like, no, no, that's not cool. We're here for you. I'll listen to your story. Come on over. Absolutely. And that, and, and that right. it, it's super, and, and obviously we've just gone through a pandemic. Everybody has some, some emotional 
Um, Are we going yes. through still in the middle? Uh, well, what, what are I'm, we doing? Saying we're, <laughs> I'm saying we're done, Melissa. We're done. We're done. We've <laughs> the unicorns, and I are done. We're, the unicorns <laughs> have thrown their hands up. The unicorns are done. But <laughs> we but hear you. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, everybody's looking for something. And, and as we speak more about it, people are like, oh, I need to reach out and do something about it. But we also need people that are willing to take those people in because we can't burn right. out the psychologists we can't burn out the counselors right they're they're oh, experiencing we have it capacity. as well yeah yes. we have okay. capacity bring it's it so on. good it's bring so it good on. for us yeah. because sometimes we get people to our inbox and we don't always know what i mean what direction to point them in right like we're sort of saying we're first responders we're we're um podcasters we where can we what direction can we point you in and so this is amazing for us to say, go over there. <laughs> we're, I'm just because putting we're up not, a quote. Because we're yeah. not mental health professionals. Well, right? and, and it's it's hard for us because this is our our like our side gig, like our, it, our it's our passion, yeah. but it's our project. Like we have to we have to work to pay the bills, unfortunately, unless someone wants to sponsor us. And anyways, <laughs> um, and and so when we're put pointing people in the right direction, which is another passion piece for us it's excellent amazing to have a resource like this right and we work with a lot of people who are on wcb or they're you know they're working with return to work coordinators maybe they're going through community programs as well with wcb or um the workplace injury clinics and we work, you know, it, it's not this or that. You don't have to say, well, I'm already doing this program, so this won't work. You know, it, it's a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes, you know, it's a good fit to take both the courses and learn those skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know um, that if they have any questions about it, they can reach out before they even go fill out the form or anything like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So and, and we're sure, available. Reach out. Ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're available coast to coast. You know, in our self-guided programs and our spouse programs are coast to coast everywhere. It doesn't matter where you live. And we're launching them in French coming soon, hopefully in the next, you know, few months. I don't have a specific date, but they are, it is being translated right now. And already our, our therapist assisted programs are in French and English in Saskatchewan, Quebec, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and PEI. Oh, amazing. 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 We, we have really enjoyed this, Melissa. Thank you, Thank you so, so much, much for sharing everything, your experience as a spouse, uh, your experiences as a mental health professional, and now all the resources that you've handed us. We are, we are grateful. So, Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it was amazing. It's it been great. amazing. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns, uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Love, Lauren and Sharon. Bye.